0: Welcome to Becoming a Good Therapist, a podcast all about helping you build your confidence as a mental health professional, creating better outcomes for your clients, and really loving the important and life changing work that you do. I'm Courtney Schroeder. I'm a limited licensed social worker, and I'm here to learn and grow right along with you as I share the lessons, tools, conversations, and steps that I'm taking that are helping me become a good therapist. welcome to the first episode of this podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I'm really excited to have you here. Today, we're going to talk about some tips for new therapists. So if you're in school or early in your career, I hope that this will help you because these are things that made a big difference for me when I was just starting out too. Um, But before we get into that, I thought because this is the first episode that I would take a moment to tell you a little bit more about me. So I got my bachelor's degree in psychology from Michigan State University and my master's in social work from the University of Michigan. Um, I was raised in Michigan and I still live here now. And I've been doing individual therapy for a little over two years now, but started working in the mental health field in 2019 when I worked at McLean Hospital in Massachusetts. I really have a long standing interest in mental health and therapy, but also have, um, I think, a long standing interest in helping people with those similar interests on a peer to peer level. Back when I was in undergrad, this would have been around 2013, I helped run a club that essentially helped undergraduate psychology students figure out what they wanted to do with their careers. So I would bring in different professors to talk about their jobs and their private practices on the side. We would discuss different types of mental health issues and how to treat them and things along those lines. And even though I was also curious about those things, um, because I was in the same place as the other students coming to the meetings, I realized that I found a lot of enjoyment in helping people figure out their path and their passion and um, I actually got certified as a life coach between undergrad and graduate school. And my focus then at the time when I was doing coaching was really on helping people find their passion and their ideal career paths. So I really love helping people find like what lights them up. So after graduate school, I got a job at Um, the nonprofit my internship was at, which is where I still work now. And I split my time there um, seeing my own caseload of clients with helping to run their internship program. So the same one that I was a part of. So that means I'm working with graduate students in counseling and social work as they see clients for the first time. They're learning about how to do therapy developing their own interests. And I really love being able to be a part of that process, You know, hearing what works for them, what doesn't, what's hard, what advice is helpful, um, all those kinds of things. So I really want to do more of that, helping therapists. And I realize that I don't need to have decades of experience to do that, but I can still share things that are helpful as I learn. And I can share conversations that help me become a better therapist with you too. So, this podcast is really about connecting with you as a peer rather than from a place of trying to come across like I'm an expert. I'm really here along for the ride with you, and I want to grow together. So, that's the inspiration for this podcast. And I'm really grateful to have you here. So, for today's topic, I'm talking about five ways to build confidence as a new therapist when you're just starting out. These are things that definitely were helpful for me. And I remember when I was starting out, I was really nervous. I felt like these are really big, important issues I'm helping people with. I felt so fresh and like I just like didn't know what to do. And so I want to share the things that actually really did make a difference for me. And I think one of the tips that kind of goes without saying is that you need to be getting experience in order to build your confidence. You can't, decide like you're going to build your confidence and then you're going to be ready to start seeing clients, you have to be seeing people and getting that experience in order to build the confidence and apply the things that will help you build your confidence. So the first piece of advice I have is to get really comfortable with at least one type of therapy. Surprisingly and unfortunately, I think a lot of people leave graduate school with the ability to practice therapy Um, with a limited license without feeling like they are really comfortable with at least one type of therapy. Um, It's unfortunate, but it is true. Sometimes graduate programs can require a lot of different types of classes and not really put emphasis on thorough education, on getting comfortable with interventions and therapy. And what takes its place might be a class or two that goes over an overview of a handful of interventions, maybe spending two to three class periods per intervention. So students are left with kind of a taste of maybe cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavior therapy, motivational interviewing, for example, without a really good grasp on any of them. Then it's no wonder new therapists head into the field with a lot of anxiety because they're not even really sure how to make sense of why a client has a particular problem or how to help them create change. So in my experience, something that undoubtedly built my confidence was, one, having a solid theoretical framework for understanding how mental health issues arise, and two, specific interventions based on that theoretical framework. So for example, I read a book called CBT Made Simple, which was a really helpful book and that gave me a really great foundation to work from. I was somewhat familiar with cognitive behavioral therapy from grad school, but this book really broke things down for me, walked me through interventions that were straightforward and easy to understand, and it really helped me a lot. So the important thing here is that this doesn't need to be like your favorite therapy approach. It doesn't need to be what you stick to for your career or even the next couple of years for that matter, but it gives you a real foundation to build upon. So since learning about CBT, I've learned about parts work, I've taken a training on polyvagal theory, I've gotten more into attachment theory, and now I'm learning about emotionally focused therapy. So I've been able to continue to learn and explore and have the CBT knowledge and exercises in my back pocket that I do still use from time to time. Another important thing to note with this is that we need both the theory for understanding why problems or suffering arises and the interventions. So for example, polyvagal theory is a framework for understanding the nervous system, but it's not a therapy. So it can inform therapy and there are certainly ways to use it to create change, but polyvagal theory itself is is about creating understanding. It's about explaining a framework, hence the word theory, right? Not therapy. So the same goes with attachment theory. I've really loved learning about attachment theory. It has really been helpful for me to better understand my clients and what they're going through. But again, attachment theory is another framework for understanding people. And from that, we can better understand why mental health issues arise. Now, emotionally focused therapy draws a lot from attachment theory. So that has more of the intervention step-by-step map that i'm learning about right now that other piece so when you're looking for your foundation as a new therapist my advice might be focus on approaches that have the word therapy in it so then you know you're getting both a consistent theoretical framework and ways to create change so cognitive behavioral therapy dialectical behavior therapy acceptance and commitment therapy internal family systems therapy um, I like to recommend books like CBT Made Simple, the one that I read. There's also DBT Made Simple and Act Made Simple. And I can link those in the show notes as well. And of course, you can do trainings and other things as well, but I think a lot can be learned from good books and those ones I um, I definitely recommend. My second piece of advice for building confidence as a new therapist is to prioritize the relationship that you have with your clients. So now that we've talked about the framework you'll use to work from, it is important to also discuss the importance of prioritizing the relationship you create with your clients. You are not here just to ask questions and apply interventions, right? You're here to be a human and connect with another human being. And there's really immense healing power in being there for someone and being open, non-judgmental and understanding. And many people sadly do not have someone in their life they feel is reliably there for them, who's interested in them and what they have to say and who won't judge them for what they think and they feel and who is really there to fully listen to them. We are social beings. We're wired to thrive when we have loving connections. And if we don't have loving connections, we are wired to still seek them and long for them. And when we go through something difficult, feeling like we're doing it without someone who really cares makes things harder. But having that support can make dealing with the same situation much more manageable. In fact, one of the most powerful regulators for our nervous system is co-regulation. And co-regulation is when our nervous system can return to a state of regulation with the support of another person or another nervous system. So, If we even just think of the impact it can have for you to be able to offer a regulated nervous system in the sessions, that can have a big impact on your client's nervous system. That alone can offer a lot. So if you find yourself feeling like you just don't know what to do in a session, or you feel like an intervention didn't quite go that well, or you're just starting to feel a bit frazzled in your work, um, I've been there (laughs) many times, come back to the relationship. Are you attuned? Are you curious rather than judgmental? Are you treating them with respect? Are you reflecting back what they're saying so that they know you're understanding them? If so, you're probably doing okay. The interventions we use in therapy will come and go, change with time and change with each client, but the one thing that doesn't change is the power that a good relationship between the therapist and the client has. My third piece of advice is to give your clients space to talk and to get comfortable with silences. You do not have to immediately fill every silence with a new question or reflection or a comment. Asking questions too often can actually be distracting or sometimes take things in a different direction too quickly. So give your clients some space to talk and process and just take a breather Um, it's okay to sit in silence too. And it can actually be helpful. Silences offer clients moments to reflect and digest whatever it is the two of you are working on. And I think it can also be a demonstration of respect for your clients and that they are allowed to think or have a moment. Um, It's not an uncommon experience. I think in general for us humans to sometimes feel talked over in conversations or that when we talk, feel that someone else is distracted because they're just wanting to share their thoughts and they're just waiting for you to stop talking so they can say what they're thinking about. And um, it's okay to allow silences to be there sometimes. And after a pause before moving on, something I found helpful is I just like to check in and maybe ask any other thoughts about that and, and just give them a little More room for whatever is being processed before moving on. If you feel a pressure to always jump in with a question or comment, explore why, because I've been there too. You know, what do you think will happen if you give them a little more space? It's so natural to be anxious about this starting out and the fear of what if I don't know what to say. And so, if this is something that you want to work on, you can practice by just giving pauses, you know, a few more seconds at a time and gradually it will get easier. My fourth piece of advice is to make the most out of supervision. So I recommend taking time to prepare for supervision and having specific questions ready to go. So take some time and think about your cases from the week, areas that you felt stuck, um, when you felt unsure of what to do, Um, things that you would like to learn more about. And if you have a tough session, hopefully you should be able to think, wow, that was hard. Like that was really tough, but at least I can discuss this with my supervisor and prepare for next steps with this client. And if you feel like you and your supervisor aren't a good fit, or you're not really thinking that, or you feel like you're not really getting what you need out of it, you might consider bringing it up to your supervisor or finding someone else. Supervision should be a reliable source of support for you, especially when you're starting out as a student or practicing with a limited license and you deserve to have someone who is genuinely interested in helping you and can provide the answers and direction that you need. My final piece of advice, and this is something that I'm constantly working on and it is so much easier said than done, but it is important, is to be compassionate with yourself. I see compassion as being about recognizing someone's humanness. So please recognize the fact that you are a human. You are not here to be perfect. And in sessions, I have said things that didn't make sense. I've started sentences before really knowing what I was going to say. I felt like a deer in headlights with no idea what I was going to do next. (laughs) Um... I've said things that I felt like didn't come out right, and that is all part of the process, and it's okay, especially when you, again, prioritize the relationship and can talk about things. I've apologized to clients for saying things in a way I didn't like. I've openly admitted to losing my train of thought. I've laughed at stumbling over my own words in sessions, and I think acknowledging these moments also showed my clients that I'm a human too. Um, But it can be hard. This is always a work in progress for me, like I said. Um, You don't need to be perfect to successfully get your clients to where they want to go. And you can identify areas for growth in your work while having compassion for yourself, especially in the beginning when you're learning so much and everything is so new. This will help you stay in a mindset where you continue to try and you are open to learning. So those are five things that really helped me build my confidence when I was just starting out. And if this was helpful for you too, please share with a therapist friend. And thank you again so much for listening to this first episode. I'm so excited for the different topics that I have planned, and I'm looking forward to connecting with you all. So thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.